have you ever been forced to spend £1,200 on a hooker? No, I, I, I wouldn't um, do something like that. That's not the kind of person I am. And uh, £1,200 a week, blimey. Uh, I didn't realise it was quite that bad. I thought it was something of a one-off, at least what's been uh, talked about in the press. Can we just like get it out of the way and not talk about it very much? Because I find the whole thing very distasteful and unpleasant. And most of all, I just find it very sad because whatever the you know facts are of the situation and however it relates to football in some way what's really sad is that this is a family and and relationships and family dynamics are such a incredibly complex and multifaceted thing that it's easy to make snap judgmental positions on them but you know until you've walked a mile in someone's shoes etc etc so yeah the whole thing's very distasteful and sad well, it is, yes. And I guess my take on it has been twofold. One, as a United fan, what does this mean for the club? And two, I, I guess I've kind of looked on the whole world of media with interest. And um, I, I guess that's how I covered it on the blog this week. Like, uh, like many people like to use, think it's really none of my business what goes on in this, this man's private life. Except, except for you know, he's a, a very well-paid employee of Manchester United and as a, you know, quote-unquote brand ambassador, this doesn't look very good for the club. And and it's another family probably going to end up broken up and on the scrap heap and, and all of that. And that's very sad. But I have to say, I find, I find a lot of the media coverage extremely distasteful. I mean, let's just take the news of the world and I guess we shouldn't expect them to be tasteful in any way. They're a pathetic organisation, the news of the world. They, they're, you know, they remind me of the scene in The Wire where Omar takes on the drug dealer's lawyer in the courtroom with McNulty, and you know that they, they're just the the worst. They're, they're they're almost doing the worst job in society, or one of the very worst jobs in society. They make our whole world a much worse place to live. And. Um... You know, aside aside from seeking the the salacious always, uh, the moralising tone of their piece, which, you know, fine, many people might have agreed with that, was followed up by, now look at this video of the hooker in knickers, which they'd shot that day. And I just, I was like, you're you're kidding me, right? You know, you're going to moralise about people's behaviour and then then show off a woman as a piece of meat for the titillation of the viewers. You know, that's... It it just wasn't right, and and I think a lot of the commentary following that uh, has not been right either. Um, as for Rooney's behaviour, well, um, I guess on the one hand you just kind of expect it. The guy has form, and footballers are at the mercy of their own naivety sometimes, and some of them do not understand the ways of the world and are not able, you know, being young uh, men uh, who are cosseted for many, many years in this very unreal world with huge amounts of money and somehow don't seem to learn the uh, the rights and wrongs of uh, their own behaviour. And it's very sad in a way. And we'll see whether it actually affects Rooney on the pitch. It, it didn't seem to during the week. It's not as if his actual seeing of the of the prostitute has been a recent thing, although you know, obviously he's been exposed for what he is, uh, or allegedly, and all of that. Uh, I don't think anyone has really has any doubts about the facts of this case now. Uh, we'll, we'll see long term. I mean, there was, a, there was an editorial in The Guardian today, Paul Hayward's piece, sort of speculating about Rooney's future at United. Would he be tempted to move on uh, because of this? And, and I, I think not. I think uh, you'd hope that Ferguson is the man to, to put him right, although he doesn't appear to have done so far. You said on Twitter on the day it broke that if you were... Rooney's PR um, 
A, you'd be on a nice little retainer, and B, you would advise a kind of extremely plausible deniability, a, a, a plausible denial approach, because it would have been completely plausible, but the fact that there's been no attempt whatsoever, as far as I can tell, I haven't paid totally, you know, close attention to it, but you know, I haven't picked up anything in the ether about any kind of denial whatsoever. So the the allegedly part seems to be a little bit redundant, doesn't it? No, I think if there was going to be a denial, it, it should have come straight away. So clearly there isn't a denial in this case and uh, there's an acceptance. Maybe not of all the uh, the uh, so-called facts printed in the paper. And, uh, there's a hell of a lot of spin here. And anytime you see a pal said this and a pal said that, we, we know that it's the... Uh, the PR people and the, the representatives of either side talking to the press and playing this out in the media. And I think that's, um, I suppose, kind of ironic given the inevitable calls from some quarters to uh, deal with this in a private manner. And uh, But the, that, that's what I'm afraid this is. It's, it's all very dirty and tawdry and out in public. Do you think it's going to affect his performance? Let's talk football for a second. I, I, I don't think so. I think he seems pretty single-minded. I mean... Look, we'll see. I mean, it certainly didn't affect his performance in the World Cup. Let's get that one out straight away. The, the, he'd, he'd stopped seeing this prostitute uh, months before, uh, if we were to believe the details. Uh, he was injured during the World Cup. So let, let's, as Ferguson said today, put that one to bed, rather than fortunate phrase, I thought. Maybe, we'll see. I mean, look, pressures on players do affect their performances. It may well do with Rooney. We'll, we'll see. I'd hope not. He seems a very single-minded guy, though, doesn't he? He certainly does, and and yeah, I, I would be surprised if it had a very significant effect on his performance. In fact, without wanting to draw to make too many assumptions about what kind of a person he is, he seems more like the kind of person who would be driven to success by off-field distractions. You know, football is... I think when you're Wayne Rooney, the thing that makes more sense than anything else in the whole world is playing football. That you know that that's what that's what he's built for. So I think it's probably going to be something of a relief for him to actually be on the pitch. It's of course an incredibly unfortunate fixture. Although on the other hand, in terms of like getting straight back on the horse after falling off the horse, facing Everton away, he's not going to really get a tougher time from any ground in the country, is he? No, but he always does. So, so what exactly are they going to do that's going to be any worse than um, they have in the last six years? Uh, so, they're going to be screaming abuse at him. They'll probably sing some songs. Uh, you know, but it's the same every time you go. He's been back to Goodson Park anyway. Uh, he gets a lot of abuse, so it's not going to be any different tomorrow. Uh, I'm sure he'll come through. I, I, I doubt very much that Ferguson's thinking of resting him. It would be a it would be a strange move on Ferguson's part to do so. I think take him out of the firing line. Although he did talk about Everton and Liverpool and Rooney's poor goal scoring record last season, didn't he? Uh, saying that Rooney perhaps tries too hard when he's playing these sides, and yeah. uh, that might be the case tomorrow. And of course, you know when Rooney's frustrated or angry, um, he can be aggressive on the pitch and that's causing problems in the past although i'd say that is a long long time ago i mean hasn't been sent off in quite a while has he um so i'd expect him to play i'm sure he'll put in good performance he's just coming back into good form now i mean obviously he basically didn't have a pre-season so he's he's into his what two england games sixth game i think back now including the uh including the charity shield he had a half 
Um, so he's just about, I'd say, in the rhythm of things, and we should see some goals. Yeah, which would be terrific. Um, and and yeah, of course, like thoughts and you know sympathies go to the people affected by these scandals, and it, it you know they they really do, or I guess should make us all kind of think about how we live our lives in relation to people who are in the public eye because it's a it's a it's a very peculiar thing and and you know without wanting to get all high horse about it one of the things that slightly bothers me about this is when it happens to uh ashley cole everyone's sort of somewhat triumphant about it because that's someone else's problem you know that's a he's a chelsea player so we don't like him but when it happens to one of ours our, our kind of everyone's attitude's a little bit different about it and that 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 always slightly bothers me because these these things are much more important than football allegiances right people's actual real lives but yeah anyway should we should we should we put that one to bed to use sir alex's excellent phraseology i've got a, a confession to make uh, i'm just going to get this out straight away i genuinely to the bottom of my heart do not believe that Dimitar Berbatov is going to score this weekend uh, it's a very uncomfortable thing for me to admit that but it's uh, it's the truth I just don't think he's going to score I, it'd be interesting to see what, what Ferguson comes up with in terms of a, some kind of tactical formation won't it uh, there's a temptation to say given that um, Everton is a you know one of the bigger clubs and chasing European place in, in theory at least that Ferguson would play one up top, and although he hasn't so far this season, so be interesting. Oh, of course, Hernandez was uh, away on international duty and and only arrived back last night. So he's had you know a, a long trip. Ditto Valencia, who was uh, away in South America, uh, and, and so and Berbatov had had obviously had the week off because he's retired from international football. So he's fresh. Just depends on the tactical situation. There's also a couple of game, other games coming up this week. Uh, Rangers on Tuesday night. And then, uh, of course, Liverpool next weekend. And Ferguson's had, going, going to now have to start thinking about the balance of the squad and how he rotates. We're going to get the poor goals question come up now because Skulls cannot play in all three matches. So which ones he rested for and who comes into the team as a result? be interesting to see. Anderson had another sort of hour or so uh, in the reserves this week. That's good uh, to Brad, see. Very good to see, very good to see. I mean, uh, let's see whether he sorted his head out and he can find the form of, what, two years ago now when he, he was last in good form, I'd say. But very important, if he can do that, to have him back in the in the kind of centre and midfield. He's, I don't think he's ever going to be the kind of playmaker that people thought he might be when he was 16. But, um, you know, we've seen him put in some stellar performances and we really kind of need that. And Michael Carrick's out, apparently, for at least a month. We're a bit actually light in uh, the centre midfield. Obviously, Hargreaves out, uh, probably never come back. Ando just coming back. And and then we have Fletcher, Scholes, and then Gibson, of course, who ha- hasn't played for us this season and dared to slag off Giovanni Trapattoni this week. I suspect that um, of all those games, with all due respect to Scottish football... Uh, Rangers has got to be the easiest game, hasn't it? You'd think he might play uh, Gibson in the Rangers game and play Skulls on the two weekends because he's definitely going to want Skulls there against Liverpool and he sort of needs Skulls there against Everton, I think. Yeah, or Anderson could back, come back into the, the reckoning. Yeah, Interesting with Gibson. I mean, I, I was pretty critical of him this week and I, I think... Um, from asking around as well, that, that a lot of people kind of feel this way. He's got a bit of a chip on his shoulder, this lad, and uh, he doesn't—he hasn't done enough in the game to have merited that chip yet. 
and he's had what 21 starts for United and and a lot of average performances in those 21 starts so I think this is a make or break season for him in many ways and and, and of course you know we've spoken about Gibbo before haven't we and, and said well look at Fletcher he developed late and this is very true um, and Gibson might but he's 23 very soon you know, not a lot of players get a lot better after they're 23. So we'll we'll see. And then question mark over Ando: Can he can he get back to form and fitness? And obviously had a very serious injury, and 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 the car crash, and the drinking, and all of, you know the womanising, and of course uh, stories that he used prostitutes before as well. Since it's uh, on topic, um, a lot of question marks and a, a very big week. You know, three very intense emotional games in in different ways, but. Um, but, you know, very draining. So I'm sure I'm sure Ferguson will use a full squad in the next week. And not wanting to live up to United Rant's ill-deserved reputation for pessimism. But really, we're, what, four or five weeks into the season, the first week of Champions League games, and we're already talking about being kind of light around the midfield area, which is something you've been harping on about for a long, long time. This is this is what happens when you when you recognise that Hargreaves is never coming back, um, and that Scholes will only play thirty games this season. He doesn't play twice a week. He's, he's they're not going to do it. And it, if if they do play him against Everton and then Rangers and then Liverpool, I, my guess would be that he doesn't perform very well against Liverpool. And we've just seen it over and over again. I mean, yeah, wonderful wonderful player as he is. Um, been absolutely fantastic in the first month of the season, but he's 35. You know, it's it's what happens when you get old. I'm afraid, yeah. and uh, so so that does leave us. It does leave us a bit light. I think. I, I um, don't want to be too pessimistic. I mean, it's a massive week, though. And I you've got to say that uh, this is the the right time to be taking on this Liverpool side. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking that actually, yeah. they're they're not very good, are they, Liverpool? No, they're, they're not, and there's a recognition from Hodgson that they are now a mid-ranked side. Of course, there uh, some uh, pretty interesting financial goings-on at the club at the moment. Um, it looks like RBS will be taking them over. There's even some talk of forcing them into administration, although that's not actually in the bank's interest, although, strictly speaking, they're you know insolvent. They, they've, they've got you know players who I think would probably want out. Um, so I mean, we can talk about it on next week's pod, pod in more detail because um, it's, it's next weekend. But yeah, let's, looking, let's cl- clearly looking forward to that game. But I think, I think you know, two, two very intense games before then as well. Let's talk a little bit about um, Everton as opponents. They've had a very, very weird start to the season because, I mean, it, it seems to happen every season, but this season there doesn't seem to be a reason for it. I think it's generally universally acknowledged that they were much the better side against Tottenham when they lost two weeks ago. But they, they, they've had their worst ever start to the season under David Moyes so far. And they, they, they're going to be extremely hungry for the game. And, and what Ferguson does uh, do in terms of tactics is going to be very interesting because I think he's sort of... I think you've almost got to play 4-5-1 type formation against Everton away more than you do against this current Liverpool side. I think Liverpool are probably more vulnerable even than Everton. Um, one thing that I'm I'm sorry I haven't done any research everyone will be shocked to hear that um, but is, is Phil Jagielka back now he is isn't he yeah yeah I mean he played for England uh, against uh, Switzerland and, and Bulgaria in the past week so oh, there you go then it shows how much yeah. attention I've been paying during international week and uh, that's that's fair enough many many United fans switch off uh, yeah he's back um, although uh, Joseph Yobo of course has been uh, loaned out 
And uh, a, a couple of interesting pieces of injury news. Um, uh, one uh, reported United target Jack Rodwell has had an operation on his ankle and will be out for three months. Uh, shame for him. Also a shame, I think, for many United fans who'd like to get another look at him because he's a very talented boy. And uh, looks like Louis Sahar might uh, not make it either, although less serious injury on his uh, on on that front. Um, wait, and it's wait, always wait, nice. What? It's nice to see Louis, isn't it? Um, but he looks like he might not play. Did you say Louis Sahar was injured? I did. That yeah. doesn't that doesn't seem right. How is that possible? Mister Glass never gets injured, does he? I, I love Louis Sahar. He's, he, I, I've always really really liked him as a player. I think it's a real shame that he uh, had such terrible injury problems. I think a real good kind of thing that speaks very highly of Louis Sahar is when he went to Everton, he offered not to take a salary and just to be paid when he played. Um, I just think that's that's sort of a pretty honourable way to approach it, given given his history of um, injuries. Uh, although Everton didn't didn't accept his offer and, and pay him a salary. No, but I think I think they got a good deal out of Louis. I mean, obviously it was a very very low fee, and uh, they're paying him reasonable wages for a, for a, a high quality player. Yeah, and and I think if it, if it wasn't for the injury proneness, he really would have been a top top top. Oh player. yeah, I, I remember when I first saw Louis when uh, just after he'd signed uh, his first game uh, for United, and he was absolutely magnificent with his back to goal. I mean, he could control anything. It d- didn't matter how hard anyone hit it at him; he would control it, spin, turn. Uh, obviously, great shot of the left foot. Uh, brought players into play. Great with his head. Just a real shot. I think he would have been a top top striker for United and internationally if uh, if he didn't have all the interna- uh, the injury problems. Yeah. And uh, of course, international uh, week. Uh, many many United fans do switch off, and uh, for obvious reasons. But the, the, um, bringing a tenuous link in, uh, Carlos Queiroz sacked as Portugal manager this week. Uh, of course, they lost to Norway 1-0, a pretty disastrous result, that one, and a, a, hilarious, um, a hilarious goal from uh, Eduardo, the, the keeper's uh, uh, awful mistake. Um, but Chiara's not sat on the bench uh, because he'd already been suspended for six months for shouting at anti-dope, doping testers who'd come to uh, test his Portugal squad, and he wasn't uh, happy about it and swore at them. It seems to be quite a, a long suspension for swearing. He must have... I guess uh, thrown the Portuguese swearing book at them. Uh, yeah, apparently he was very aggressive, and and uh, they they said he was intimidating. And, right. Um, and He's there has there's been a, well, yeah, there's been a lot of rumours that uh, of course this happened just before the World Cup. This is uh, this is not recent. Uh, it's been ongoing for a while, and a lot of rumours that uh, Nani's injury uh, was something to do with this. You know, i.e. that Nani had taken something and Kiaros was protecting him by trying to get the testers out of there. Uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that's all nonsense, but, but it has been spoken about. But for whatever reason, Kiaros took exception to, to these dope testers uh, coming into the Portuguese training camp and, and has been sacked as a result. Not, not that the Portuguese results have been great over the last couple of years. I mean, you have to say Kiaros has had a much better time as a number two than he ever has uh, in a, a management role. I think he's done a pretty shockingly poor job at Portugal, actually. I think it's it's all very well to say that Madrid, it's a kind of unworkable situation. But he's got a lot more talent at his disposal in Portugal than the results would. He's, he's done a sort of England manager-esque performance. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, you know, even if you say they're not quite as good as the golden generation of Portuguese players, they, they still do have Nani, Simao, Ronaldo... Uh, Pepe, you know, a whole host of players that are playing at very top clubs and are, you know, are either 
yeah. world class are on the cusp of that kind of bracket and yeah. and 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 especially with Ronaldo there he he should be able to drag them to a higher level and somehow Kiroz hasn't been able to get the best out of him which is weird because they do appear to have a good relationship you know they they there was there was you always got the sense that Kiroz was kind of an important part of Ronaldo's performances at United um, yeah i i think so um but but it, um it's a very different it leads to some it? obvious questions. It's a very, very different job, uh, international management. It's very much about, I mean, some, some of it's about systems, but some of it's just about trying to get the best out of players. On a, it's not a coaching job. And I think, I think uh, Kiroz, and, and neither is Real Madrid in many ways, a coaching job either. It's a political job. And, and I think neither really suits Kiroz's core skills, which are on the training ground coaching, and especially on the tactical side, when I think, People at Old Trafford have always held him in extremely high you know, esteem because he's a very smart tactician and, and gets results. Now, in the, the kind of old version of Rant before we uh, the rebrand last year, um, I was very critical of him because he was the, the uh, catalyst behind United um, moving to a sort of 4-5-1, 4-3-3 system. And I, I think there were some results where we played very negative and, uh, and and unnecessarily so against you know, sort of mediocre opposition at Old Trafford. And it was a very disappointing aspect to United's play in those kind of years. But then again, he was absolutely central to some key results that United got. And Ferguson had called him out for you know, his kind of tactics in the, the semi-final 2008 Champions League semi-final against Barcelona, where United were pretty negative in both games, but nullified all of Barcelona's attacking players and, and won the won the tie. I mean, it's interesting because the Kiros era at United really can be divided into two sections, the pre-Ronaldo time and the post-Ronaldo time. Maybe the, there's a, a kind of confluence of the two in the first season and a half of Old Trafford at the, of uh, Ronaldo at Old Trafford, but, but really Ronaldo made that system work in a way that it hadn't before he was there. Playing Rude as the one up front in that never, ever looked like it would work, but it, it did whether by luck or good judgment, clear a path to an incredibly dynamic, fluid 4-3-3, which could easily be transferred, transformed into a kind of super effective defensive 4-5-1. And yeah, Kieros was obviously central to that. And, and it's, it's a kind of completely obvious question, but would you want him back? Would you want him back as a number two? I think Mike Freeman yeah, I- probably would. I, I think I think the answer to that is absolutely yes. Uh, and um, I mean, I know there's some United fans who'd say, "Oh, you know, he's a quitter. He's quit on us twice. Why do we want to? You know, we're not his safety net. Why do we want him back?" But I, I think he's he's respected widely as being a, a you know one of the best coaches and the best tacticians in the modern game. Now, he's an ambitious man, and he wanted he was offered the Real Madrid job and offered the Portugal job. And you've got you've got to say, top top club in Real Madrid you know it, many many players want to play there many managers want to manage there even though you know I don't know why they would you know it's an insane <laughs> club as well and then Portugal is home country so you, you've got to say how could you criticize him for taking those two jobs really you know you'd kind of question his his lack of ambition if he didn't do it absolutely uh, but but would he add something to United's coaching if he's back at Old Trafford absolutely yes I'm, I'm sure of that I'm positive I think Mike Phelan is an effective, you know, first team trainer. Is he a brilliant man? Absolutely not. He's a he's he's a nodding dog, you know, and I, and so my respect for him is just a bit limited. I, I think Ferguson needs someone who will challenge him and that's what Kiaros always did. But the problem is if Kiaros comes back he makes himself the heir apparent to 
Sir Alex, that's the one downside. And I yes, and I don't think anyone actually wants him to be the heir apparent. No, you're, you're absolutely right, yeah. Um, but, yeah. But, yeah, but in terms of today, it would be fantastic if Kieras came back because I really think he brings the best out in Sir Alex as well. I really think it's something about the stage of his career. I, I think you can see how much Sir Alex respects him whenever he talks about him. He clearly holds him in extremely high footballing esteem, something which he doesn't that many people you know so so i think that's uh, i think it would be it would be terrific if he was somehow able to come back but i don't know whether he would because coming back once after the real madrid job might have been a bit embarrassing coming back twice because it's extremely ignominious the way he's like lost the portugal job between being suspended for 6 months and having really really terrible results i think he he must be feeling a little bit shell shocked by the whole experience i would imagine yeah, I think he's got two choices now. I think the choices are if Ferguson wanted him back to come back to Old Trafford. And the second choice is he needs to rebuild his career. He needs to do a Steve McLaren and, and join a smaller club and and prove his worth at club level uh, again. Do a funny accent. What everyone knows doing a Steve McLaren really is. Steve. Steve yeah. McLaren. Steve, likes to smoke. <laughs> Of course, uh, now Steve has uh, gone to live in uh, Germany, yeah, and of, he's really enjoying his management. Uh, it's really good, yeah. That sounded a bit. That sounded a bit Swedish professor. That did. <laughs> Swedish chefs. Swedish chefs. Yeah. Sorry, I'm thinking. You racist. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? How dare you say the Muppets are racist? There is nothing less racist than the Muppets. The Muppets are a fully inclusive employer. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and on that note, shall we, uh, shall we move on to, from Muppets to some, um, to some injury news? Yeah, uh, because... a bunch of Muppets getting themselves injured. Well, um, one Muppet who's uh, regularly injured, of course, Rio Ferdinand, back in the United squad this week, and that's, that's really good to see, I think. Uh, he'll, he will travel to Everton. I can't imagine he'll start, but you never know. Um, uh, Ferguson said his performances in training have been outstanding. So, uh, and I think Johnny Evans' performances in defence have not been quite so outstanding. So you can, you know, you can see why Ferguson won him back in the side as soon as possible. Absolutely. And on the negative side, as I mentioned earlier, Michael Carrick um, has this ankle problem, so it looks like he's going to be out for about a month. Um, although he hasn't even looked like being part of the team so far this season. He's obviously his form on the training pitch is obviously not um, screaming that he's returned to his best so I don't know how much of a big loss that is except in having a competent midfielder to cover he, he, you know, I'm, I'm worried about Michael Carrick still. Michael Carrick has barely had a good game in over a year I mean I think that's just fact isn't it? Yeah. Which, which... And, and I, I was a big supporter and you know when Many, many fans were, as, as you know, critical of Michael Carrick, and uh, I also thought it was extremely important to United's evolving style of play um, when we won the three titles in a row. And he recycles the ball so quickly, and I, I think he's been very an, an underrated defensive player as well, and more of, a, more of a player who gets into the right positions rather than a tough tackler, of course, and a good passer, but he just, he just doesn't seem to have that oomph about him at the moment. One other, one other thing I thought we really ought to think about this week um uh, of course john toshak uh, looks like he's uh, leaving the welsh job at some point you know there was a bit of yes a bit of no about it 
But uh, a lot of talking media circles that Ryan Giggs might be offered the job, and Ferguson's killed that one straight away and said he's a player at United, so we shouldn't expect to see that anytime soon. But I did think it was you know, kind of natural recognition of Ryan Giggs as you know, obviously getting on in years, he's done all his coaching badges, and he's a national hero. Yeah, um, but he's not going to take the job because they need someone who will also be prepared to manage them when they play friendlies. Yeah, that's right. Can he pull himself out injured? <laughs> um, no, he's not going to leave. He's not. It's not now. If it was next season, maybe. But he's, he's not going to not finish his last season as a player at Manchester United, assuming this is his last season. Uh, I, just think that's, I just think it's extremely unlikely. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I'm, not even, I'm not even sure that this is his last season. Although he'll be 37 this year, so it would, um, you'd think probably it will be, but yeah, who knows? Um, I'd like to give a massive shout-out to uh, Stretty News, who's just uh, hit me up with a follow Friday on Twitter. It's nice of him. Just thought it, since it happened while we were recording, I should probably uh, give, him, give him a bit of mud internet props, because I understand that's the, the currency of the internet. Yeah, it's uh, I, I did the whole follow Friday thing. Now... What are the, I haven't quite worked out the etiquette of it. Okay. Do I follow Friday the exact same people every week who I think are good and I followed Friday last week, or do I pick some new people? Do I go a bit left field? Do I uh, only follow Friday people back who follow Friday me? So you know, I, I, I think that last one is a very very poor option. Uh, with apologies to everyone who's not on Twitter, which I do understand is still the majority of the human population, in spite of how it feels if you are a person who uses Twitter a lot. Follow Friday. I, I like to go. Th- there's people who have like their Follow Friday list, which every week they kick out a batch of uh, followers, and I like that of, of of people to follow. I like it. It's especially the United themed stuff. You find some really good people, and there's a definitely a sense of collective of a certain group of United fans on Twitter, which I really appreciate. But uh, I like to be a bit more individualistic. I like to do one or two people maximum per like per. Twitter submission. Uh, I like to put a bit about why, maybe to follow them, um, and sometimes I just don't have time, so I'll kick out a bunch at once. But I, I, I like I like to mix it up. I like to I liked your one. I think it was I think it was you. It was like if you're not following these people, why are you using Twitter? Uh, I think that, that you know I, I like I like it when it's it's a serious recommendation for someone someone to follow rather than just a kind of uh, you know uh, I don't know. That somebody, I think the key to Follow Friday is that it should be about the rest of your followers, not the people that you're suggesting. You know what I mean? You you should be addressing it at the other people who are following you, rather than at the person you're suggesting they follow. Yes, very good. And of course, you can catch up with United Rant on Twitter as well uh, at United Rant for the the main account and at UTD Rantcast for the podcast account, which Paul runs yeah. very effectively. You say it's the podcast account. It's just me talking about football. Yeah, but, you know, you are you are the face of the podcast. You <laughs> certainly have a face for a podcast. <laughs> Thank you very much. Marvellous. Um, so on that note, I guess uh, we'll call it a week. Um, no international breaks for a while, so uh, the weekly Rantcast is back in effect. Uh, we got a couple of complaints last week. Um, they weren't really complaints, just people saying, hey, where's the podcast? Because we probably should have said at the end of the week before that there wouldn't be one. Because really, during international weeks, uh, when it's not the World Cup, I have nothing to talk about. Because I just, I, 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 I literally could not bring myself to watch the England games. Even though I hear we were great and whatever, you know, and it's not, not particularly. I'm not, a, I'm not like anti the England football team. I just, I'm just totally demotivated by them. So I couldn't bring myself to watch them. Uh, but I hear Rooney played well, and that's that's nice to hear. 
certainly is. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next Friday. See you next Friday.